Hello all and welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Civil War Regiments podcast. Today we will be sharing 12 Christmas letters of soldiers during the Civil War. Some are cheerful, some somber, some are humorous, and some are depressing. But I hope it gives you an understanding of the hardships of soldiers being away from home for Christmas. I wish all of you a very merry and blessed Christmas. And remember those who are less fortunate or spending their Christmas while in the service of our country. Thank you and enjoy. 5th New Jersey Battery, Camp Berry, Washington, December 25th, 63. My dear dad, I received your letter dated November 30th, 1863 yesterday. You can write a first-rate letter, there's no mistake about it. To say I enjoyed the reading of it only conveys the faintest idea of the real delight with which my eyes traveled along the lines of your old familiar handwriting. Your descriptions are graphic and amusing, but the best part of the matter is that you are well and happy, and I know it will not lessen your enjoyment to know that I am also well, and my heart was never lighter or more inclined for mirth than on this beautiful Christmas day. Although Christmas will be passed in the new year 1864 will be well begun when you receive this, I must tell you that at the present moment, while I am writing this, I sincerely wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and many more to come with me, with you, to be happy altogether. I have received a Christmas present from a young lady in Elmira in the, st in the west of New York State. Don't be alarmed, I am not. The way it came about is rather curious. One of the decentest boys in the company, named Jackson, got me to write letters for him when we were at Trenton, both at his wife and parents. And as his wife came to see him from Almira, before we left for Washington, I was introduced to her and she begged I would let her have one of my photographs when I got some taken. I promised to do so and kept my promise. A cousin of Mrs. Jackson, Miss Annie Stratton, saw and admired my shadow and sent a message by Mrs. Jackson's letter for me to let her have one of my photographs too. To this I offered no objection and made as polite a reply as possible, as Jackson assured me that the young lady was rich and well brought up and her age is sweet nineteen. I have received her carte de visite in return for mine, and now Jackson has received a box from his wife in Elmira, full of all sorts of nice things and a message from his wife to say that he must share the eatables with his friend Ross. I know him well. These eatables consisted of roast chickens, plum cake, tea, sugar, big lump of fresh butter, sweet cakes, apples, nuts, etc. But in addition, there was a parcel set apart for my especial benefit from the said Miss Annie. When I opened it, I found a plum pudding ornamented round the top with wax flowers, and also a small case apparently made with a very kind young lady containing thread, pins and needles, and buttons, all arranged in the neatest possible style. We have kept all these things till today, when Jackson and I intended to have a regular blowout, regardless of expense, but we have determined to defer it another day in consequence of a most delightful circumstance which was unexpected. The whole company are about to have a blowout at the expense of the company fund, which is raised by what provisions we have in excess of the actual wants of the company. The first part of the blowout I received just before commencing this letter, about a nuggin of whiskey punch. The second part will come in about an hour from now, at one o'clock. 
Just wait, and I will tell you what we got for dinner. December 26th. We got roast turkey and plum pudding. The dining room was ornamented with festoons of evergreen, so that it really looked and felt like Christmas. James Horrocks, 5th Battery, New Jersey Volunteers. Wednesday, December the 25th. Today is Christmas, and with the exception of three or four, every man is drunk in the company and trying to see how bad they can act. All the infantry of the command, or almost all, are ordered to Bowling Green, where there is a great battle expected shortly. The sixty days men are to take their places until they return. None of them have arrived yet, but are expected here shortly. We would be in a bad predicament should we be attacked by the Yankees before our troops arrive, and even after they do get here, they will be but little use in a regular engagement, as they are raw recruits and know nothing about a soldier's duty. The reports of cannon firing at long intervals has been heard all morning. We suppose them to be only Christmas guns, but it would seem unreasonable to be firing cannon at such a time, knowing the enemy to be in 30 or 40 miles of us all the time. Joseph Gary, Hudson's Mississippi Battery, Christmas 1861, near Bowling Green, Kentucky. December 23rd, almost Christmas, and we are planning for a Christmas dinner. Very cold. December 24th. Must hang up my stocking tonight for habit's sake, if nothing else. I am enjoying splendid health, and prison life agrees with me. Wrote home today. December 25th. And Christmas. All ordered out to be squatted over again, which was quite a disappointment to our mess, as we were making preparations for a grand dinner, gotten up by outside hands, Mustard, Myers, Hendricks, and myself. However, we had good things for supper instead of dinner, and it was a big thing, consisting of cornbread and butter, oysters, coffee, beef, crackers, cheese, etc., all we could possibly eat or do away with, and costing the sung sum of $200 Confederate money, or $20 in greenbacks. Lay awake long before daylight listening to the bells. As they rang out Christmas good morning, I imagined they were in Jackson, Michigan, my old home and from the spires of the old Presbyterian and Episcopal churches. Little do they think, as they are saying their Merry Christmases, and enjoying themselves so much, of the hunger and starving here. But there are better days coming. John Ransom, 9th Michigan Cavalry, Prisoner of War in Virginia, Christmas, 1863. Another dreary Christmas day in the Army, making four I have spent in the Army. Hope I may never spend another one in the war, but from the looks of everything now, there is no prospects of the war coming to an end. W.H. Andrews, 1st Georgia Regulars, near Savannah, Georgia, 1864. Near Brandy Station, Virginia, December 27, 1863. Dear folks at home, as today is Sunday and I have a little spare time, I will send you a few lines before the close of the year. I hope you all have passed a very pleasant Christmas and wish you a happy new year. I received the things you sent to me and I was very glad to receive them. I am sorry to say some of the articles were a little damaged. The cakes made me think of the last time I was at home when you were baking for Christmas. I suppose Ma remembers very well what an important part I performed in inspecting the majority of pans full. The apples were very nice, also the part of the peaches I got. 
Christmas was quite a dull day here, and if it had not been for the folks at home, we would hardly have known that it was a holiday. On Christmas Eve, our brigade received about eight wagon loads of express packages and such a profusion of turkeys, chickens, ducks, cakes of all kinds, jellies, candies, apples, etc. I hardly expected to see in old Virginia. I suppose I must give you a description of our Christmas dinner. Our drink was tea, sweetened to taste with white sugar and milk, good fresh bread, butter, three kinds of jellies, four kinds of cakes, mince and cherry pies and candies. The day was very pleasant, clear but cold. I often thought of you all and wondered what you were doing. Lieutenant Rufus Ricksecker, 126th Ohio Infantry. Thursday, December 25th. This morning the weather was so very cold that I did not say my first mass until daylight, and then said three in succession. Having heard some inclinations that the boys were about to make me a Christmas present, I took the occasion to inform them that I did not stand in need of it, but if they wanted to honor our infant Savior, they might bestow their charitable gifts on his representatives, the poor orphans of St. Joseph Asylum in Richmond. They acted on my suggestion, and during the following week made up among themselves a very handsome donation. The weather was delightful, and the boys having succeeded in making ample preparations in the way of beef, pork, turkeys, and geese, together with some materials for eggnog. There was truly a happy Christmas in the camp of our brigade. Father James Sheeran, chaplain of the 14th Louisiana Infantry, near Fredericksburg, Virginia, 1862. December 25th, 1862. I was sent in charge of a brigade detail to the division hospital to dig trenches and draw wood. Four men, victims of the winter's campaign, had died there the preceding night, and we buried them this morning. They were buried in their blankets, and the heavy earth gave back a dull, unpleasant sound as it fell upon their breasts. This was the way I passed my Christmas day. Thomas P. Southwick, 5th New York Zouaves, near Fredericksburg, Virginia. December 24th. If I knew the exact state of affairs around the old fireplace at home, I might feel more at ease. Father has long been sick, and though now reported better, I half suspect it is more from regard to my feelings than to the facts. I will hope cheerfully for the best. May Santa Claus tonight fill the stockings of all the little ones, as he used to mine in days of old. And may Merry Christmas be no idle words, but full of truth and meaning, and good health. December 25th. Weather warm, which is fortunate, for our fireplace smokes wonderfully. We made Christmas dinner on beef, hardtack, and coffee. I had fortunately completed my meal, when Moore made a discovery which checked him midway in his viz, that the hardtacks were full of bugs and worms. There was no uncommon thing of late, but his wry face was the most laughable thing of the day. Charles Hayden, 2nd Michigan Infantry, near Fredericksburg, Virginia. 1862. Sunday, Christmas Day, December 25th, 1864. This is the birthday of our Savior, but we have paid very little attention to it in a religious way. Last night, a party of officers from the 49th Pennsylvania came to my quarters with the band and gave me some fine music. Just as they left, a party of officers from the 37th Massachusetts came and gave me a serenade. I invited them in and entertained them the best that I could. About two o'clock this morning I turned in for sleep. This morning, it being Sunday, 
as well as Christmas, we held our usual inspection, and then I took a ride and dined with some friends. It does not seem much like Sunday or Christmas, for the men are hauling logs to build huts. This is a work of necessity, for the quarters we have been using are not warm enough. This is my fourth Christmas in the army. I wonder if it will be my last. Colonel Elijah Hunt Rhodes, 2nd Rhode Island Infantry, Petersburg, Virginia. December 25th. Went on a detail making corduroy roads. It was a dismal day, but rendered quite endurable by the anticipation of what was in store in our boxes. On returning to camp, I was informed by my tent mate that there was no parcel at the station bearing my name. My mental thermometer not only plummeted to below zero, it got right down off the nail and lay down on the floor. Seeing this, my tentmate made haste to dive under the bed and produce the box, which he had brought from the station during my absence, and in but a few minutes we were busy discussing the merits of its contents. Most of the men have been remembered, and any that have not received something from home are allowed to share with their more fortunate neighbors. John Haley 17th Maine Infantry, near Fredericksburg, Virginia, 1862. Camp, near Blaine's Crossroads, Tennessee, December 25th, 1863. Dear parents, brothers, and sisters, I suppose that you are busy today eating your Christmas cakes, Christmas dinner, and all the other good things which old Christmas is supposed to bring. Well, I hope you will have a good time and enjoy this Christmas very much. Perhaps you would like to know how we are spending our Christmas in the Army. Last night I was on picket, and caught a bad cold, and as you may suppose, do not feel very funny. Last year I think I told you I had a mess of beans and pork for a Christmas dinner. This year I am not so fortunate. We have been furnished nothing but a small piece of boiled beef, but our sutler came up last night, and we obtained a few crackers, a little cheese, and butter. But what do you think the price is? Crackers, 50 cents per pound. Cheese, 50 cents per pound and butter 80 cents. At these rates, you can easily see what a dinner costs us. Perhaps you say we need not buy them. Well, standing picket all night and making your breakfast and dinner on a small piece of boiled beef without any bread does not go well when you have money in your pocket. For the last month, we have had but one-fourth to one-half rations of breadstuff. Last winter, we fought it hard to live on full rations. If matters continue this, I fear I cannot send you much more money. A soldier must live. Fred Petit, 100th Pennsylvania Infantry. Lied. How did you enjoy yourself yesterday Christmas? Did you have a merry one? I took mine out on the picket line. I had to go out Saturday and stay 24 hours. It was not very merry, I tell you. I think I thought of home some, but it done no good. I was not there. I would very much like to have a box of something that come from home, if it don't bother you too much. But if you are plagued for money, you need not bother about it. The most I care is to have something from home. I guess you will think I am getting old maidish. The gloves I need very much. I wish if you send anything, it could get through by New Year's. But never mind it. It will be very exciting any time. William Whitlock, 188th New York, December 26, 1864. The sources for today's letters are a Keystone Rebel, edited by David Welker. Infantryman Petite, edited by William Gavin. John Ransom's Andersonville Diary. 
Footprints of a Regiment by W.H. Andrews From Fields of Fire and Glory, edited by Rod Gregg The Rebel Yell and Yankee Hurrah, edited by Ruth Silliker The Civil War Diary of Father James Sheeran, edited by Patrick Hayes For Country, Cause, and Leader, edited by Stephen Sears Allegheny to Appomattox, edited by Valjeane Dunham all for the Union, edited by Robert Rhodes. A Dirgy Zouave by Thomas Southwick. And My Dear Parents, The Civil War Scene by an English Union Soldier by James Horrocks.